I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. The meeting lasted just under five hours and covered an update on the outcome of the temporary one-year exam school admissions process, an updated presentation and vote on the Mass Corps graduation requirements, and there was an ambitious presentation on the capital budget and planning for new school buildings in BPS. Ross, good morning. Good morning, Jill. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, Jill, last night, there was certainly a lot of progress made by the school committee. Now, they voted on a long debated and much needed policy on universal graduation requirements for all Boston public high schools. School committee also heard a presentation that outlined a vision for building 50 to 100 new school buildings in Boston, essentially replacing every school building that is over 50 years old. Quite a bold vision, but kind of lacking on details and timeline. Jill, let's start with the superintendent's report on how the exam school admissions process played out. So with this first slide, just wanna talk a little bit about the applicant pool. You'll first note that there was a decline in the applicant pool overall from last year to this year, both for grades seven um, and grades nine. So the total applicant pool for grade seven for this year was 1,666. If we were to add up the 1,287 and 379 as compared to a total of 2,833 applicants for last school year. And for grades nine, for grade nine, there were 760 applicants across non-public schools and BPS schools, as opposed to, as compared to um, 1,177 students um, for ninth grade last year. So Jill, just to, just to recap here and summarize. So there was 1,666 sixth grade students who applied for an exam school this year. And that's compared to 2,839 from the year before. Um, and 760 students applied for grade nine seats. And that's compared to 1,177 from the year before. Jill, these are pretty significant decreases in applicants um, you know, to some of the top public schools in the state. In fact, you know, just the sixth grade alone, that's a 41% decrease in applicants for our exam schools. Yeah, Ross, this is insane. They're, they're, these are huge drops in applications to some of the best schools in the state. And oddly, there was no discussion about the decrease in applications, which I was a little surprised by. I, I do wonder if this is a trend that we will see more universally in enrollment in BPS overall. As we moved along, Ms. Roberts continued by sharing additional information about those who received invitations to the exam schools. The percentage of invitations sent to economically disadvantaged students increased from 33% to 48% overall. And then for our students experiencing homelessness, um, and students in the care of DCF received more invitations, increasing from 29 invitations last year to 73 this year. Right, Jill, these are really significant shifts in enrollment trends. Um, and this triggered a comment by Vice Chair O'Neill about outreach and supports for invitees to the exam schools. We have struggled in the past in getting students to feel comfortable at some of our exam schools. And I wanna make sure we are doing outreach to our invitees that we're actively reaching out to the invitees 
and, and wanted to ask about that. What are we doing to reach out to all the invitees to let them know we'd love for them to attend the schools that we've invited them to, number one. And number two, what are we doing about a requirement that we put in on our vote, which is that we are going to be providing academic support for all of our students to make sure they can succeed at these schools? So in response to the question about supports and outreach, Ms. Roberts said the school leaders at the exam schools are beginning to reach out to families. And then moving along in conversation, Ms. Robinson and Ms. Roberts have this exchange about exam school invitations and acceptances. Um, I have two questions about the um, exam schools and trying to understand a little bit. So did the number of invitations that went out, did that equal the number of seats that are available? I don't have the exact numbers. When we do send out the invitations, we um, over invite. I will come back to you with that specific number. My apologies. Okay. Um, I don't have that number for you. I guess because my, my question is once the um, seats have been taken that have invitations have been accepted, if there are still vacant seats, will that will those seats be filled by students who are on the wait list, the next students in line, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, so we so, yeah. We don't actually um, have wait lists for the exam schools and as part of the process for this year that was not included um, as one of the actions that we would take. Um, so we don't currently have a plan to backfill seats for those schools. So we would have empty exam school seats? We, we don't anticipate having any empty okay. exam school seats um, because we believe the takeout rate would be high. And Vice Chair O'Neill adds that he's really not convinced that there will actually be a higher number of acceptances this year. And with regards to um, the exam school invitations, I just wanted to ask Ms. Roberts, I, I appreciate the data she shared with us about the students that are being invited. And I'm curious what we're, I was struck by your comment that you thought would be oversubscribed or that there'd be a higher number of acceptance. And I'm nervous about that. Um, for two reasons. One, um, because we were late in applying a number of students who also have options, for example, scholarships to private schools, um, had to move forward and accept them. So, Dill, this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And with the exam school task force meeting, their meetings are kind of wrapping up. You know, we may likely right. have a new proposal to the school committee to vote on for a new admission policy for exam schools by the summer. So, you know, literally week by week here, you know, a lot of things may change and we'll see, we'll see what the new policy recommendation is for the coming year. So that sort of closed out the superintendent's presentation, but notably there were some things missing that we would have looked for. These include the attendance data. Uh, kids are now back in physically in schools, in buildings. And we didn't hear anything. There's some discussion about that at the last school committee meeting. We didn't hear an update on attendance data. Uh, we didn't hear anything again about students who are enrolled in summer programs or the inf any information about the breadth or depth of the summer programs that will be offered to students of BPS. And we didn't hear anything in terms of information about the first round of student assignments and enrollment projections for the coming school year. And, and Jill, in a typical year, this would be the time when we'd hear a hiring report, you know, where, where 
where essentially we would hear about all the vacancies um, for the coming year and how many educators have been hired to fill those vacancies um, and how many are left to be filled. And there would also begin to have a conversation about performance evaluation, end of the year performance evaluation for our, our teachers, our school leaders, and of course our superintendent and her leadership team. And all of that was, uh, was not mentioned in this meeting. Right. So some, so some real gaps, it seemed like, in the content of the meeting. But the meeting moved on to an updated policy on Boston Public Schools Mass Corps graduation requirements. Boston spends a lot of time and resources focused on the 4,500 students who attend our three exam schools, as we just had, to, as we just discussed. That's been even more evident this past year as we've grappled with admissions criteria and who does and does not get a seat at one of our exam schools. However, we have 36 high schools across Boston who deserve our immediate attention, support and resources because they serve many of our highest need students and don't have nearly the resources or programming the exam schools have. This just cannot continue. Historically, proposals for high school redesign have been met with resistance. This is for a variety of reasons, but mostly because school leaders did not trust the district to support them in the implementation of the new requirements. And it would become an unfunded mandate that they were left to implement with very little support. Either the proposals were just too fast to scale up to, to put this support in that's needed, to build courses or the funding that they need for staffing were not available or promised, or there was a legitimate fear on the school leader's part that enrollment would drop and graduation rates would then decline. But that is not the case with this proposal. While all the members of the committee were supportive of the policy, a number of them expressed that the plan lacked details. And one of the members ultimately voted against the proposal. This is school committee member Lorna Rivera, who started by pointing out the social and economic disparities across schools that will be impacted. Um, I was shocked that 0% of graduates at some schools have completed Mass Corps compared to 78% at the O'Brien, 68% at BLS. 49% of white students who graduated in 2020 completed Mass Corps compared to only 22% of black students who graduated. 14% of English learners um, graduated with in 2020 uh, completing Mass Corps. These are significant gaps that are just um, growing wider unless there is this deep, deep investment in the specific schools accountability and abundant resources to implement these curriculum changes. Just two more, two more points. Um, from what I've also heard, um, I know there's been engagement, but there doesn't seem to be consensus among school leaders uh, still um, that the necessary resources will be in place to ensure that the schools can deliver Mass Corps. I am also concerned that this past year there has been significant restructuring uh, in central office, so particularly in the academics unit. Um, so really moving fast forward at this time, um, until those 57 positions are there, um, I just, again, I, I don't think we're, we're ready for this yet. So Dr. Rivera uh, points out something that was really a tension, a key tension here with this policy. 
you know, how do we set high standards and a common standard for every high school student across our city and support all of our students in reaching those standards? The rest of the school committee voted to approve the adoption of Mass Corps and the proposal ultimately passed. And Dr. Rivera was asking for a plan and the superintendent insisted there is a plan. More clarity on the plan is what the school committee wants and, and should continue to ask for. Right. The meeting moved on to public comment where we heard from a few parents about their concern on the proposed decision-making process for using the $400 million of federal relief funding that will be coming to Boston soon. I'm here to speak on the lack of transparency, urgency, and genuine effort to involve families and children in the process that will affect us the most. The commission the superintendent has put together to decide where the $400 million in federal relief money should go absolutely does not represent BPS students and families. During COVID, the 18 months outside of school was on the backs of students, parents, and teachers. It's bizarre the construction of this commission on the surface seems to fill agendas and check boxes of fulfilling an already inefficient budget process. It seems to me this commission should be constructed of parents, teachers, students, and school leaders. Who would know better where the money is best spent than those who bared the brunt of the burden? And Jill, we heard from a parent of a student at the closing Jackson Mann School pleading for a clear transition plan for her son's program. And, and I am a Brighton resident. I have a moderately autistic child who attends the Jackson Mann ABA Strand program. My son has a hard time with transitions. So the fact that he wakes up every morning with a smile on his face and looks forward to going to this program speaks volumes about the excellence of it. As you can imagine, I'm very upset to hear that, this, that the school will be closed and the ABA strand will be dissolved and not relocated. After the closing of the building next year, school is more than just a building to my son. So Jill, this parent's comment is a really good transition into the next and the final report of the evening, mm -hmm. which was on the capital budget for FY22. Um, there was a very dense presentation that covered a lot of different topics. And uh, in fact, Jill, you may have seen the Boston Globe um, headline this morning, which said, um, BPS proposes to build nine new buildings. And I'd like to just um, provide a little more detail about what the public should expect from this presentation. And so here's the timeline for what is being proposed in the capital budget over the next, I guess we could say, six to seven years from now. But so you're, um, you're going to, so, you're talking about, this is, this is from their presentation last night. This, this is, right, this is the right. timeline that they start to propose in terms of rollouts. And, and some of this stuff is already in progress and has been approved, was approved a long time ago. Is that right? Exactly, Jill. So like I, I, um, a number of these projects have been approved already, but I, I want to be really clear. There's a lot of density. There's literally, uh, you know, in this presentation, there's about 71 slides of, of content and they could all be summarized in, in this timeline. And, and so this, is, this will help the public understand what they could expect for their neighborhood, potentially for new schools. Okay. So in the fall of, of 22, there's two projects that will be completed that are already in the works. And, and the first is the Boston Arts Academy building in Fenway will be completed and the BCLA and the Cormac school will be completed. And so again, Jill, this is not this coming fall school year. This is the fall of the following school year, right. fall of 22. 
And then in the fall of 23, the Edwards School will be renovated. In the fall of 24, the Josiah Quincy Upper School, which is already in design, will have been completed. Mm -hmm. Also, a East Boston pre-K to six school will be completed. Mm -hmm. And the Timothy will be renovated and the Irving School will be renovated. In the fall of 25, the Carter School will be completed and that's already in design. In the fall of 2026, we would have a new school in Roxbury, pre-K to six, and a new school in Dorchester, pre-K to six. And then beyond 2027, so Jill, this is essentially six years from now. Yeah. Over six years from now, there'll be a Horace Mann school built. An Alston Brighton pre-K to six school building built. And then two to three new buildings per year would be built. And so I want to just be really clear. Like I know the headline stated that there's, you know, BPS is you know, potentially building five new buildings or nine new buildings. Yeah. But um, this is all going to take place over multiple years. And in fact, you know, a lot of these projects are already in process, or at least a few of them are in process. And a number of them wouldn't even start until 2027, which is quite a long time from today. And Jill, I would say quite a long time for the Horace Mann community to wait uh, for, for a building. Yeah, because they they already don't have a building. It's also, it's so interesting, right? Because in the Globe article, acting mayor Kim Janey was quoted. And if, if this is going out to 2027 and beyond in order to realize the headlines of this morning, this is, this is, could be beyond, it's beyond the next term of the mayor. Right. This is a big headline that is short on details. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, this report was great. It was really big on vision. Yeah. Um, and very short and exciting, and, but very short on details. Right. Currently, you know, we know we have new buildings in the, in the works, but we also know that building a new school like Boston Arts Academy or Upper Quincy or Carter School, um, it takes years to build these schools and including finding appropriate space in a dense city. And these projects cost hundreds of millions of dollars right. to build new buildings. Right. Um, also lacking in this report was an updated enrollment numbers to make a case for where new buildings need to be built and for what grade levels. And there's no plan, as we talked about, for relocating the Horace Mann School, only saying that a new school building may be built for them in five years from now. Yeah. So it's interesting. The kind of the summary of last night was that there was incredible vision. There was a, a vote to you know, really organize and push forward goals around Mass Corps for all graduating students. There, there's a huge plan put out in terms of the future of BPS from a buildings perspective, facilities perspective, but there was what school committee kept asking for was clarity on the operating piece of this and, and how are we going to execute on all of these huge, optimistic, you know, wonderful components of, of the vision. In the last several meetings, there hasn't been public comment at the end of the meeting, even though there's space for that. But last night, there was a parent of a student from the Horace Mann School who shared these comments with school committee. The culture within BPS right now seems to be fear and complacency. I want to introduce a word that is not used by BPS and is not core within BPS culture today, and that is courage. Courage is defined as the choice and willingness to confront uncertainty and intimidation. Courage is required to call out something that is blatantly not okay. It is not okay for a BPS special education leader 
to publicly testify to city councilors that the decline in student enrollment at the Horace Mann is a result of technology and societal progress. It is not okay to reorganize BPS central office leadership three times in less than two years. It is not okay to change the Build BPS team five times over, leaving our community lost on who to rely on. And most importantly, it is not okay to offer the Edwards building in Charlestown as temporary swing space, then say, whoops, that was a mistake. Everyone sees your behavior. You are in the public eye and everyone must have the courage to call this out and say, stop. So just looking back again, the Horace Mann School has lost their school building. This is the Horace Mann School for the deaf, has lost their school building and they still don't know where their students will go to school next year. And we heard tonight, last night, that they'll have a new school in 2027. Yeah, Jill, the irony here is we heard a presentation about building 50 to 100 new buildings and, and a lot of grand ideas, but we should also focus on the fact that we have kids in buildings currently who need a place to learn next year. And we should move with all due speed to make sure that the students of the Horace Mann School have a place for learning. It sounds like there is a place for them at the Edwards School. That should be done as soon as possible to make sure that the families and the students feel like they know what's going to be happening next year. And the district needs to deal with the fact of you know, what's going to happen to the students of the closing schools and ensure that their programming remains intact. Right, right, right. So we're left with the following questions in reflecting on this meeting. How many teachers have been hired for next year and how many vacancies remain? And what are the updated enrollment projections for next year based on the first round of student assignments? What is happening with our students who are graduating without any graduation standards? Are they attending college, the job market? Does the district have any of this data? And what is the plan for summer? We've seen big announcements about summer programs, but we haven't seen any data ensuring that every student has a plan. Do we have a plan for every student? Right, right, exactly. And where will the Horace Mann students attend school until their new school is built? So how do we engage? How do we help? Here are some ideas. The Boston City Council approves the school department's budget. It is the biggest part of the city budget. Make sure they know what you think about the budget and where you have questions or where you would like to see changes. Advocate for a clear strategy on how the influx of recovery money will be spent for long-term positive changes in BPS. Attend the first commission meeting tonight at 5 p.m. and also at 5 p.m. on June 7th. We'll post links to these meetings. Lastly, attend an exam school task force meeting as they will soon be recommending a policy to the school committee. These meetings happen every Tuesday at 5 p.m. and sometimes on Fridays. And we'll also post a schedule here. Thank you for listening to Last Night at School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.